joining with us online. We want to welcome you to New Life Church in Mobile. Hope you guys are having a great Father's Day thus far. We are uh, just finished kids camp, and we had an awesome time with this past week uh, with the kids. And man, I just want to highlight each and every person that contributed to our kids camp. Uh, if you gave financially, if you volunteered, I just want to highlight our volunteers that volunteered, Ms. Tawana, uh, Ms. Rochelle, Ms. Charlotte, Mr. Malcolm, Ms. Shanavia, uh, Mr. Brad, Ms. Kelly, uh, I'm missing somebody, who am I missing? Oh, Ashley, Charday, uh, who else? Uh, the Ms. Joe, uh, Elder Joe, and Miss Mary. I want to highlight, and Ron Tarvin, I want to highlight all those who volunteered and helped it was, I didn't want to miss anybody because I was like, I'm running through the list. I feel like I'm missing people. But it was such a great time. And I just want to thank you guys for all that you've done. Uh, because the whole point of Kids Camp is that kids would draw closer to God. That they would have a clear understanding of who God is and why it's so important for them to follow him at a young age. And I feel like that was a success. We had 42 kids this, uh, this year at Kids Camp, which was really great. Which was almost double than what we had last year. And so, man, we had a really great time, and I know the kids had a great time, too. They met new friends and had a great time. So, again, if you contributed in any way, thank you again from the bottom of our heart. And I know it was all for the glory of God and to see those kids draw closer to God. And that's what it's all about. It's like, why are we tired for a week? To see the kids draw closer to God. And so, and so it's awesome. We had a great time, and they just had an awesome performance that they prepared for us, too. And this is uh, Father's Day, obviously. Happy Father's Day again. And I thought I would start this off. I know we always heard of dad jokes, but I didn't want to do dad jokes this morning because we probably heard all the dad jokes. If I say me like, oh, I heard that one before. So I found this. These are the top 10 things that you will never hear a dad say. The top 10 things you will never hear a dad say. Number 10, well, how about that? I'm lost. Looks like we'll have to stop and ask for directions. <laughs> Number nine, you know, Pumpkin, now that you're 13, you'll be ready for unchaperoned car dates. Won't that be fun? <laughs> Number eight, I noticed that all your friends have a certain hostile attitude. I like that. Number seven, here's a credit card and the keys to my, to my new car. Go crazy. Number six. What do you mean you want to play football? Figure skating is not good enough for you, son? <laughs> Number five, your mother and I are going away for the weekend. You might want to consider throwing a party. Number four, well, I don't know what's wrong with your car. Probably one of those doohickey thingies. You know, that makes it run or something. Just take it and tow it to the mechanic and pay whatever he asks. Number three, no, no son of mine is going to live under my roof without, without an earning. Now quit your belly aching and let's go to the mall. <laughs> Number two, what do you want to go and get a job for? I make plenty of money for you to spend. And the number one thing you'll never hear a dad say, what do I want for that for Father's Day? Uh, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Actually, they might say that, but they don't mean it. So those are the top ten things that you will never hear a dad say. And I thought that was pretty funny, and I thought it was better than a dad joke. So if you didn't like it, sorry. It was a good intro. But uh, yes, we are in a sermon series entitled I Exist To. And this is week four of that series entitled I Exist To. And today we're talking about I Exist 
to worship. I exist to worship. And we started off four weeks ago, we started off with I exist to expose. And we talked about how God has created us to expose certain things, certain insecurities in our lives in, over, in order to overcome victory. But today we're talking about how we are, ex- are, uh, are created or we exist to worship. And when I use this term worship, I'm talking about in a literal sense worship with our hands lifted and our hands raised. But I'm also talking about the way that we worship by the way that we live, how we live our life. And that covers every aspect of our life. That means our devotion time. That means how our relationships, how we treat others in our serving, in our giving, in our attitudes, all those things, how I worship God. So today we're talking about how we worship God or why we exist to worship. And the thing about worship that I love is this, is that worship, it takes something for you to do but it also gives something in return. It takes something from you to get to, uh, to worship, but it gives something in return. So today I'm going to highlight things that it takes from you in worship, but also what it gives in return. Y'all ready for that today? And also, if you're new to our church or you're just following along online, uh, you can download our app, New Life Church, a mobile app, and all of the notes from this sermon or there, you can follow along with the notes there. You could go back and look at them. All the notes and messages that we have will be on the app as well. But let's open up in a word of prayer, and then we're going to get started. Holy Spirit, we thank you for today. I thank you, Lord God, for these this past week that we've had in this sanctuary, in this church, Lord God, with the joy and the laughter of children, Lord God. Lord, I just thank you, Lord God, that the seeds that were planted this week will continue to grow, Lord God, 30, 60, and 100-fold. And I pray that today, this morning, Lord God, as we are assembled together, Lord God, that you would speak clearly to our hearts today. I bind every hindrance and distraction of the enemy. Speak clearly to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I exist to worship. I exist to worship. And I want to read uh, two, par- uh, two scriptures from you in Psalms. The first one is Psalm chapter 95, verses 6 through 7. And it says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. Only if you would listen to his voice today. In Psalm chapter 66, verse 4, it says, Everything on earth will worship you. They will sing your praises, shouting your name in glorious song. So we can see just even by these two scriptures that we just read that we exist to worship God. In every form of fashion of our life, God created us to worship him, to glorify him in everything that we do. We say, well, what happens when bad things happen? That means that we just have to fix our focus and our gaze on Jesus, on God, and say, God the Father, I know this doesn't feel good. I don't understand what I'm walking through, but guess what? I'm going to worship you anyway. Because when we get our perspective and our eyes focused on God, you know, worship is a perspective. And all worship does is it positions you in order to focus on what's really important and not on things that are bothering you. Because the more you fix your, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, the more you fix your eyes on your situation and what you're walking through, the less you will fix your eyes and focus and and shift your perspective on God, which will magnify what you're going through and will make you feel like God doesn't care what you're walking through. And when you magnify your problems and yourself and your situation, guess what? There's less time that you will worship. But the more that you worship and fix your eyes on God, guess what? It has a way 
of doing certain things. And like I said, worship takes certain things and it gives certain things as well. So the first thing that we want to talk about today is if you're taking notes and you're writing this down, worship, it takes humility and hunger. Worship, it takes humility and hunger. James uh, chapter 4, verse 10, it says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Without humility, it's going to be extremely difficult to worship God. It's going to be extremely difficult to worship God without humility. Why is that? Because if you don't have humility, all you're going to do is be selfish and think about yourself. So when it's, have you ever been in a, in a worship setting or in a church service or a prayer meeting and everybody's worshiping and you're looking around and you're like, how in the world are all these people engaged in worship? But I don't feel anything. Usually it's because you're thinking about what you have to do next. You're thinking about, oh, I got this problem or this situation that's going on, and you're not truly fixed and, and fixed. Your heart is not focused and shift on worshiping God. Because when you come to God, it takes humility to say, God, I know what I'm walking through is difficult. I know what I'm walking through is very hard. But guess what? Even in the midst of all this, I'm going to worship you. But if you don't have humility, humility say, well, God, you know what I'm walking through. Why hadn't you changed my situation yet? And you point it back all to yourself. Because the truth is, our, our nature is selfish. We only care about ourselves. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and you're like pouring out your heart to them and you're telling them everything that they, you're going through and then immediately they turn it around on themselves? Well, I'm going through a difficult time too. And let me tell you, I've been where you are before, but let me tell you what I'm going through. And then you're like, wait a minute, I thought we were, I came to you to talk about what I'm walking through, but now it's all about you. What is that? That means that it's easy for us to always turn situations around back on us than it is to focus on other people. Why? Because, because our nature is selfish. And sometimes, if you ask yourself this, because I know I've been there before myself, it's like, if, if, if something bugs you on the inside when someone else receives credit, and all the whole time you're saying, well, I've done that too. And you feel like, well, let me have to, and you always feel the need to, to, to defend yourself and to say, well, let me tell you what I've done. Let, let me tell you what I've done and try to pull your worth and you can't celebrate others. What is that? That's a lack of humility in your life. Because all of us want to, there's something inside of all of us that wants validation. And that's a good thing because even Jesus was validated or he was uh, affirmed by the father. He said, this is my son who I am well pleased. So there's a certain aspect of all of us that wants affirmation. But we have to know that affirmation comes from the Father, not from others. It's great if others uh, applaud us and praise us for what we've done. That's not what we do it for. We do it for the glory of God. But when we fix our eyes on ourselves, and what we really do is we begin to worship ourselves. And we can't stand when somebody else gets the credit and we don't get the credit. Oh, you're on the workplace. When they highlight a coworker, how are they going to highlight them? I work harder than them. They, we have the same job. I've been here longer than them. And then, you, everything, and then you feel the need in the meeting. You have to say, well, let me remind y'all what I've done. This is, this is, let me show you my track record. These are the things that I have accomplished. What is that? That's a selfishness. It is not a lack of humility. And it takes humility to say, you know what? I'm not going to put everything back on myself. I'm going to fix my perspective to worship God. Because without humility, you'll always be thinking about yourself. You'll turn everything back on yourself, and you'll never lift your eyes to say, I need to worship God. You have to fix your eyes and say, I want to worship 
God. Humility will allow you to repent of the pride and selfishness that focuses in on you and, and it, that keeps you from declaring your dependency on God. Because really what humility does, it says this, I know I don't know all the answers. God, I need you. God, I don't know what to do. So because I don't know what to do and my way doesn't work, guess what? I'm going to worship you because I know that you're the one that has the answers to everything. I know you know my beginning from my end. So guess what? I'm going to take the focus off on me. I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to worship you. But without hunger and without humility, you'll never get to that point because you'll always be fixed on yourself. And I'm saying that because I know I've been there myself, too. And it's easy to focus on what you're walking through and not focus on what God is trying to use that situation to do through you. But we have to say, God, I'm going to humble myself before you. In Psalms chapter 107, verse 9, it says, For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. You see, worship, it takes humility, but it also takes hunger. And hunger is a longing and a dependency on God. When you're truly hungry for God, there's nothing in the life that will satisfy you but God's presence. I'm telling you, when you truly get hungry for God, there is nothing in this world that will satisfy you like God's presence. You can achieve all the things that you want to. You can get all the awards, all the promotions. You can do everything that you want. But if there's a lack of presence of God in your life, there's going to be a hunger. Something on the inside of you says something's missing. Some, something's missing. I, 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 what's going on? I, I don't really understand. What is that? That's a hunger that your spirit is saying, hey, don't forget about me. Your soul is saying, don't forget about me. But your flesh is saying, feed me, feed me, feed me. But your soul and the spirit is like, feed me too. I need the presence of God. I need to be refreshed. And when you couple humility with hunger, that's what worship takes. But guess what worship gives when you give humility and hunger? It gives peace and satisfaction. It gives peace and satisfaction. So it takes humility and hunger, but it gives peace and satisfaction. Psalms chapter 85, verse 8, it says, I listen carefully to what the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people. But let them not return to their foolish ways. Let me read that one more time. I listen carefully to what the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people. But let them not return to their foolish ways. Have you ever prayed to God or been in God's presence and immediately you felt peace? But as soon as you felt like that peace came, it went away. Have you ever been? Am I the only one that's been there before? Am I the one to say, well, God, I just prayed and I, what a peace. I just had it. It's gone. What is that? And I love at the end of this verse, it says, but God gives peace. But he says, let them not return back to their foolish ways. To me, what this represents is this, is that God, when we go into God's presence, he does give us peace. And then he gives us instructions on what to do next. But if we go back to our foolish ways, then guess what? That peace is gone. It's just as the peace, it's just as quick as the peace came. (laughs) Now the peace is gone. And we have to say, am I but following the instructions of God in worship that he gives me this peace? Am I maintaining the instructions to keep this peace as well? Because it's just as quick as it can come, it can go. We all in church right now having a great time and we're feeling good. But as soon as you walk out the door, it can immediately go away. Because the enemy is going to say, well, I heard, you, I heard you talking about worship today. So let me test to see if you really was listening. So let me throw something your way. Isn't that just like the devil? You get encouraged, you feel good, and then he tries to throw something at you to distract you or to hinder you. But that's, and his plans are not fair, but we know that God is good. 
And we know that if our eyes are fixed on him, that he will give us peace. Not only will he give us peace, but he will satisfy us. Isaiah 26.3 says, For he will keep you in perfect peace, all who trust in you, all who fix your thoughts on him or on you. You have to desire and develop a genuine trust in the Lord and fix your thoughts on him, and he will give you perfect peace. That means that constantly I have to, to train myself and develop in myself uh, a, a mind state that says, I'm going to fix my eyes on God no matter what I walk through. And that means as soon as I wake up in the morning, God, I fix my eyes on you today. It, from the moment it, it, it may happen, two hours, God, I'm fixing my eyes on you again. It, you constantly have to fix your eyes and your thoughts on God. And when you do, the word says he will give you perfect peace. What does perfect peace mean? That means that no matter what you walk through, there will be a peace. Does that mean it'll feel good? No, but it means you have a peace about it. And there's nothing in this world that is greater than your peace. When you don't have peace, nobody is going to feel good. You or no one around you is going to feel good if you don't have peace. And I know all the parents with kids can say amen. When they... (laughs) When the kids, you tired and the kids running around, I know the helpers, the volunteers this weekend saying amen. Oh, yes, there's no peace because I'm tired. But I'm telling you, when there is no peace, no one is happy, including you. When you lay down to rest, you can't rest. But the word says that if we fix our thoughts and fix our eyes on God, he will give us perfect peace. So that means that I have to develop in myself a peace. Uh, not a mechanism, but I have to develop in myself a drive that says I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep my eyes fixed on God. I'm going to do that whatever it takes. Psalm 63, verse 4 through 5, it says, I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. Now, that sounds like satisfaction to me. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. Not only will God give you peace, but he will give, he will satisfy you when you worship him. I love that it said that because it got me remind, it reminded me of something. It says, you satisfy me more than the richest feast. Uh, when Tamara and I got married, we went on our honeymoon. We went on a cruise to the Bahamas. And the best thing about, well, I'm going to say the best thing. One of the best things about that, that cruise was the food. Because you can eat, if anybody has been on a cruise, no, you can eat any time of day, any time you want to eat, it's a feast. And you don't have to say, oh, no, that's okay, I'll turn that down. Nope, you just rock up to the food and you just eat as much as you want. And now, boy, I'm telling you, you can feast. As soon as we walked on, on the boat, they took our luggage, we went, checked in our rooms, and then they had like this ice cream station set up for us. I was like, oh, we get ice cream, is, is, this is my kind of boat right here. This is my, and I had never been on one before too, so I was like, oh, so we get the ice cream, and so we get, they give us these big scoops of ice cream, and then tomorrow's like, well, I can't eat them. I said, don't worry about it, I'll finish it for you. And so we're sitting out on the deck, and it's hot, and I'm like, well, it's kind of hot out here. I don't know if I want, I don't like this. Let's, let me finish this ice cream, then we could go in. And then that's when I saw the food. And I said, oh, I'm gonna like this trip. This is gonna be a great trip. But guess what? Even as great as that feast was, it still doesn't satisfy like God does. And you want to know the secret on how do you you remain satisfied in your relationship with God is by doing his will. The only way that you will remain satisfied in your relationship with God is doing his will. 
Because you could come in his presence, you could get satisfied for a moment, but if you aren't constantly pursuing the will that he has for your life, at some point you're going to be dissatisfied with your life and with your relationship with God. John chapter 4, verse 34, it says, Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God, who, who sent me, and from finishing his work. Your nourishment or your satisfaction will come from doing the will of the Father. So the question is, what has God called you to do? When you get busy on accomplishing what God has called you to do, then guess what? You'll be satisfied. But if you don't, there's always going to be a longing inside your soul saying, man, there's more to life than what I'm doing. I feel like there could be, a, there's a lot more than life than, that. I, I just don't feel as, as content as I should. What is that? You aren't satisfied because you aren't busy doing the will of the Father. But let me tell you, when you get busy doing the will of the Father, there's a satisfaction and a nourishment that comes that food can't. I don't care what kind of food you put on the table. That's going to satisfy in a moment, but it's going to go away. The nourishment of the Father, it sustains you. It motivates you. Even when you're tired, you say, I got to keep going. I'm not going to give up. Why? Because I'm doing the will of the Father. And I know I'm doing it for the glory of him. And I know that not only will there be a reward on this side of earth, but there's going to be a reward in heaven for me doing his will. So that's my motivation and that's my satisfaction is I continue to be satisfied in him by doing his will. So that's the first thing. Worship, it takes humility and hunger, but it gives peace and satisfaction. The second thing worship takes is it takes transparency. It takes transparency. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13, it says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one we are accountable. Where there is no transparency and no openness, there is no access to God for him to come in and change and move in your life. Let me say it again. Where there is no transparency or no openness in God, there is no room for him to come in to move and to change things in your life. What God desires is, we already know God knows everything anyway. But what he's waiting on us, for us to do is to come in his presence and worship and say, God, this is who I am. God, these are my deficiencies. God, these are my weaknesses. God, this is what I'm struggling with. God, this is what has me in fear. God, this is what has me afraid and worried. God, this is what I'm, I'm discouraged about. God, these are the things that I'm battling in doubt. <clears throat> but we have to bring those things to him and be transparent in worship. And when you bring those things into God and worship, he says, son and daughter, that's all I wanted to hear. I just wanted you to expose everything that's going on inside of you because I already know. But when we don't become transparent in God's presence, what we do is we build walls. Why do we build walls? Because we don't want to know. We don't want people to know what we're really going through. We don't want to know. We don't want people to know what we really think about ourselves. Or what we really feel. Well, if they really knew how I felt, they would look at me different. But God says, I already know. I want you to bring that to me in worship. But when we aren't transparent, it, we build walls. And we walk around in fakeness and secrecy and false humility. We walk, we walk around in secrecy all the time and, and, and false humility. And we, hey, how you doing? You're putting a big smile on your face, but the whole time on the inside, you're dying. You're depressed. You're discouraged. But everybody else thinks it's great. You ever met those people? And uh, like I think about Robin Williams all the time, the comedian. For a living, he told jokes. He was a comedian. He made people laugh for a living. But the whole time, he was discouraged 
that took, drew, drew him to the point where he felt like the only way to end it was to end his life. And he's not the only one. And my heart goes out for those that have done that. But it goes to show you that when you just because the mask that you put on the outside doesn't really tell the story about what's going on on the inside. But God says, I want you to be transparent with me in your pre in my presence and bring it to me in worship. And we don't have time to go into it, but I want you to, to, to read Psalms 51. You can write that down. Go back and read Psalm 51. This is right after David committed adultery with Bathsheba. And David began to become transparent with God. And you can read that whole passage of scripture. And I wish I could go into it detail today, but we don't. But go back and read Psalm 51. And David pours out his heart. And he says, God, I'm laying it all out to you to this, uh, in this, in the, for this sin that I've committed. Please don't banish me from your presence. Please don't take your presence away from me. And he pours it out, and David becomes transparent before God. And that's what God desires from us as well. When we come into worship, we shouldn't come and say, well, I don't know what to do. What you do is you say, God, this is what I'm struggling with. God, this is what I'm dealing with. God, I need help. And we bear it all to God. And he said, now I will give you the next thing that we need when it comes to, to worship. Worship, it takes transparency, but guess what it gives? It gives clarity and vision. It takes transparency, but it gives clarity and vision. When you're transparent with God in worship, it be, because of your openness and honesty, God gives you understanding or clarity. Most of the time, we can't realize or understand what we're walking through because we are being transparent and open with God. But when we become open with him, he gives us the understanding to understand what we're walking through. What is that? That's clarity. Because a lot of us, we need clarity. We need understanding. God, I don't understand what I'm walking through in this moment. But God is saying, have you been open to me about what you're walking through and the feelings that you have? Because if you did, then I could give you clarity or understanding to help you deal with what you're walking through. But until you become open and transparent, I can't help you. And you're always going to be confused. The worst place to be is in a place of confusion. But how do you get out of confusion? You be open and transparent. And when you open up, because, because confusion says this, I'm going to try to figure it out on my own. I know I'm confused, but I'm going, in some kind of way, eventually it's going to make sense. But the problem is, it usually doesn't make sense. And we have to get transparent with God and say, God... I don't know what's going on, but I need you to come in and to give me understanding. And I need you to take this frustration that I have to give me understanding and clarity. Uh, Psalms 119, 18, 119 verse 18, it says, open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instruction. Transparency also gives you vision to see. It says, open my eyes to your wonderful truth. That means my eyes have to be open. Obviously, if my eyes aren't open, they're closed. That means I can't see. You can't walk around with your eyes closed and see how that goes for you. You can be running into everything, especially at night. You ever hit your big toe at night? That's the worst feeling ever because you can't see that little baby toe. That's the worst feeling ever. But you say, man, somebody turn on the lights. I need to see. But when God opens up our eyes and he gives us vision, Boy, I'm telling you, when God gives you vision for your life, whoo, that's an excitement that comes on. And the thing about God is he'll show you the vision. He may not show you all of it that entails that you have to walk through, but he'll give you, this is what I have for you. 
And when he shows it to you, all he wants you to do is to keep pursuing him. And then eventually, over time, that vision will become clearer and clearer. And you'll say, so God, this is what you were doing when you were showing me that. But God wants to give all of us vision. He wants to open up all of our eyes to show, for, for him to show us what he has in store for him. But we have to bring it to him in worship. Again, I'm talking about in the literal sense of worship when we come in his presence, but also in the way that we live. When we worship God in all areas of our life, he opens our eyes and he gives us vision. So worship, it takes transparency, but it also gives clarity and vision. And the last thing it does is this. Worship, it takes surrender. Worship, it takes surrender. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. But I want to read it in the message translation, because the message translation says it a little bit different. It says this. It says, then Jesus went to work on his disciples. It says, went to work on his disciples. Anyone who intends to come with me has to, has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me, and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What, what could you ever trade for your soul? So clearly what Jesus is saying here is that you need to surrender to me. He says, you're not in the driver's seat. I am. And when you surrender your life, worship, really worship is trying to get us to the place of surrender. To surrender your way, to surrender your will, to surrender your emotions, to surrender your life to Jesus and to God to say, God, whatever it is that you want to do, I'll do. But if you never get to the place of surrender, you'll never do it. Because you'll always be figuring, I have a better way. These are the plans that I have for my life. Listen, there's tons of plans that I have for my life. None of them included being a pastor. I can tell you right now, that's the last thing that I have. Oh, yes, you know what? I think I want to be a pastor when I grow up. That's the profession. I, no, no, that's not what I had in store. But when I surrendered my life to him, he gave me new desires and new motives. And the more that I began to pursue him, it became clear that this is the, the, the plan that God has for my life. And the plan that I thought I had for my life eventually didn't even satisfy like I thought it did. I'm like, I'm doing everything that I want to do, and it seems like it's not working out. Why is that? Because I hadn't surrendered my life to his will. And when you surrender your life to his will, I'm telling you, it opens up a brand new world of opportunities for you. It brings life to a whole new adventure when you surrender your life to God. But the thing about surrender is this. It could be difficult. I don't know one person in this room that loves to say, you know what? I'm just going to give up. No, I'm sorry. Not to say give up. That's not the way that's going to want to admit when they're wrong. How many of you love to admit when you're wrong? You just, oh, yep, I was wrong. No, you're going to try to argue your way out of it. You're going to try to prove your point on, well, maybe I was wrong this way, but actually I was right in this way a little bit, and you're going to try to argue that point to try to make yourself feel like you were right even though you know you were wrong. Why? Because you don't want to surrender that you were wrong. All of us have done it. All of us do it. But it's easier to just say, God, I'm going to surrender. Because surrender, like I said, in the long run, it's better to just surrender in the moment 
They try to walk through it and then come back to the place and say, God, now I surrender. Now he's got to deal with and you got to deal with all the things that you carried on, the baggage that you didn't even have to walk through that was unnecessary. But because you didn't surrender, now he's got to deal with that too. You know, there are so many things that I've walked through in my life that God never intended for me to walk through. And I walked through those things all because I didn't surrender. And I could look back and say, man, what? <laughs> that, was, that was unnecessary heartache unnecessary drama that I put on myself because I didn't surrender. But when I surrender, it's like, it's like God gives me the blueprint to know where the landmines are. Look, there's one right there. Don't go that way. Okay, I'll go this way. Don't go that way. Okay, I'll go this way. What is that? That's his protection when I surrender. But if I don't surrender, I'm just walking all over landmines and making messes everywhere that I go. So worship, it takes surrender. But what does worship give? It gives strength. When you surrender and worship, it gives you the strength not only to surrender, but it gives you the strength to keep moving forward. And all of us need strength in some form or fashion. I don't know what you're walking through in life, but I know you need strength. I don't know what it is, but I know you need strength. And guess what? When you bring your uh, surrender to God and worship, he'll say, son and daughter, here's the strength that you need. My grace, not only will I give you strength, I'll give you grace, I'll give you peace, I'll give you mercy, I'll give you everything you need, but what you really need is my strength. So here's my strength when you surrender. His word says that he, that he works best in what? Our weakness. When we're weak and we confess our weakness or surrender our weakness to him, he says, here, take my strength. Psalms chapter 29, verse 11, it says, the Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. So he wants to give you strength and peace. But you have to surrender. Psalms 28, 7, it says, the Lord is the strength, is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. You know, sometimes you don't know what to do or how, you don't know what to do or how to get it. You just know you need strength to move forward. You know, there's times I pray to God, God, I don't really know what I need in this moment. I just know I need strength. It's like I, I don't know how to articulate exactly what I'm feeling on the inside. Just give me strength because right now that's all I need because I don't see a way out. I don't see. But I need strength to continue to move forward. And I'm telling you, this week was a difficult week for me physically, even though we have kids camp. And I remember coming in here Wednesday for prayer. We have prayer every Wednesday at 6.30. And I remember I was sitting right over there in prayer, and I was tired. Just physically, my body was tired. Mentally, my mind was just tired. And I just remember, I was like, you know what? I could just sit down and just sit here, but no, I'm going to engage in worship. Because I said, God, I need your strength. I need your strength. And I began to stand up and walk around and pray, and I'm telling you, an instant strength came on the inside of me that said, now this is what I needed. This is the strength that I couldn't get myself sitting in front of the TV watching the College World Series. Like th this is the strength that I needed right here. I needed this strength and I found it in worship. The strength that you need is found in worship, but it takes surrender. When you surrender, that's good. It might be difficult, but when you do it, he gives you strength. Exodus chapter 15, verse 2, it says, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, 
and I will exalt him. When he gives you strength, not only does he give you strength, but he gives you victory. He wants to strengthen you so you can have strength for the victory. Who wants to have a victory but don't have the strength to celebrate it? When you get the victory, you want to celebrate. When teams win the championship, they won, the Denver Nuggets just won the NBA championship. They as, as exhausted as they were, they had the strength to celebrate. Why? Because when you have the victory, it brings an instant strength on the inside of you. And God says, I want to give you strength for the victory. I don't want you just to obtain the victory and say, oh, I got the victory. Thank you. No, he wants you. No, I got the victory. And you have the strength that says, now what's next? Now that I overcame this, this is nothing. I want to overcome. What, what do you have next for me, God, to overcome? Why? Because he strengthened you with victory. And I want to tell you this morning, I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what situation you face. You're watching online. I don't know what you're walking through. God does. But I want you to know that when you surrender, he will give you strength and he will give you victory on whatever it is that you face. You just have to trust him. Just trust him. Just out of your own mouth, say, God, I trust you. God, I thank you this morning that you created us to worship, Lord God. I thank you right now, Lord God, that in this moment, in your presence, Lord God, that we can lift our hands to you and we can say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I let go of all selfishness, all things that are keeping my focus and my perspective off of you, Lord God. Shift my perspective, shift my focus, Lord God, to fix my eyes, to fix my thoughts on you. And I thank you, Lord God, that as I worship you, that you give me peace. Lord, that I will find rest in my soul. Lord, that I will find peace in my mind, Lord God. That I will find clarity, Lord God, and vision for my life. Where there's a lack of understanding, I thank you that you're giving me wisdom to understand. Where there's a lack of vision, I thank you that you're giving me eyes to see all the good things that you have in store for me. And I thank you, Lord God, when I'm tired in the fight, Oh, Lord, that I could come to you and surrender and I can find strength. That I can find strength and victory to overcome. Lord, I thank you right now, Lord God, that your word today, that is falling on good ground, that it's encouraging us today, Lord God, as we are hearers of your word. But not only will we just hear, but we put your word into practice by worshiping you. By worshiping you with lifted hands with bowed hearts, Lord God, on bended knee, Lord God, that we would cry out to you in transparency, that we would cry out to you, Lord God, in surrender, that we would cry out to you in humility and hunger, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, that you give us everything that we need as we worship you. We love you, God. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Make sure to bow your heads and close your eyes one more time. And I just want to give one final invitation. And that's for anyone uh, watching online and or in the room. And you find yourself in a situation where you say, man, hearing you talk this morning, I realize that I don't have a relationship with God. I'm far away from him. Or maybe you served the Lord at one time, but you strayed away. And you realize this morning, I need to come back to God. I need to surrender because I've been living my life my way, doing what I wanna do, but today is the day that God is tugging on my heart that he's calling me to surrender to him anew, to surrender to him afresh. And I just wanna give you that invitation today. No one's looking around, this is not to embarrass you. I'm not trying to call anybody out. This is just between you and God. And if you're in here this morning, you're watching online and you say, I wanna come into right relationship with God, I wanna pray with you. 
But before we pray, I just want you to do this. This is between you and God. I just want you to lift your hand and just acknowledge to God that, God, I want to surrender my life to you. If that's you, just lift your hand all over the room, and I want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask everyone just to place their hand over their heart and just to repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today, this Sunday morning, I surrender my life to you. I willingly lay it down, and I thank you for your forgiveness of my sin. Lord, I thank you that you're washing me pure as snow, that my sin, the stain of sin, of guilt, of condemnation is removed. I receive your peace. I receive your joy. I receive your strength, and I receive your life this morning. Thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you for changing my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord another hand clap of praise this morning. And if you prayed that prayer, I want to congratulate you on, on that decision. And if you're watching online, you prayed that prayer, congratulations on making that decision to follow Christ. If you would uh, comment in the comment section, let us know that you made a decision. Or you can email us at info at newlifemobile.org. We love to connect with you if you have a prayer request or just want to share what God did in your heart in this moment. We, moment, we love to hear from you. So email us at info at newlifemobile.org. We love to connect with you, pray with you. But also if you're in the room, if you prayed that prayer in the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, let's connect. But on the back, it says, I've made a decision. Just fill that card off and you can drop it in the offering bucket or do an offering on the way out. And we love to connect with you as well. Come on, let's give it up one more time for those that made that decision to follow Christ. That is the greatest decision that you will ever make in your life is to accept Jesus and surrender your life. Amen. Amen. Well, that was week four of I exist to. I exist to worship. Amen. Amen. And we have a few announcements that we want to give to you guys online before we disconnect with you guys. And the first one is this, is that we have prayer this Wednesday at 6.30, one hour prayer. We'll meet right here in the sanctuary at 6.30. We'd love for you to be a part of that. We have a great time in the presence of God. We'll have a great time here at 6.30. We have it every Wednesday at 6.30, except for the first Wednesday of every month, which is Life Group Wednesday, where we meet in small groups with our men, women, young adults, kids. They have groups as well. And we meet the first Wednesday of every month with Life Group. But every other Wednesday, we have prayer here at 6.30, and you guys are invited to that. And we also want to uh, give you guys an opportunity to give. If you're prepared to give online, there's a couple ways that you could do that. You can go to our website at newlifemobile.org. Uh, on the homepage, there's a tab that says Give Online. You can give there. You can download our app and give on the app, or you can mail in a check or money order. And the address is on our uh, Facebook page or our website, and we'd love to connect with you. Also, we want to make you aware of our Building New Life offering. This is a special offering that goes into uh, special projects that we have here at the church uh, with, as far as like lighting, parking lot, the roof repairs, different things of that nature, that projects we have at the, uh, at the church. You can contribute to that as well. That's a special offering separate from your tithe uh, that you could give directly to that and they have instructions online on how to give to that. But we want to pray for you guys that are prepared to give and you guys are dismissed online. Lord, I thank you for those that are prepared to give today. I pray that you will bless them. I pray that you're with them and all that they do, Lord God. Bless every area of their life. 
I pray, Lord God, for the finances that they have, that you would multiply that, that you would stretch it, that you open up a window that they can't contain. I bind lack of any kind in their life, and I thank you that your blessing is upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, thank you for this day. I thank you for those that are online with us. Thank you so much for tuning in. Happy Father's Day again. Hope you have a great, great week. And uh, also join us this Wednesday for prayer at 630. Have a great, great Father's Day and a great Sunday. Amen. Well.